This episode has been brought to you by yours truly. Support this podcast by purchasing the How to Experience Abundance Through Gratitude course and you'll be going from lack to abundance in 7 weeks with easy and fun exercises. Plus the commitment is less than 10 minutes per day. It's only 50 bucks and you can get it on georgianbenta.com slash abundance or just visit the link in the description. Once you get it, you have 30 days to change your mind. You can desire two things. You can desire things you have and you can desire things you don't have. Gratitude is simply desire for what you have. It's, it's really that simple. So uh, let's take this conversation. I'm really grateful that we're having this conversation. Uh, why am I grateful for it? Because I really want to have it and we're having it. And that's it. It's really that simple. So if you can build the desire for what you have, you build, in essence, gratitude. Welcome to the Gratitude Podcast on www.georgeandbenta.com, where you'll hear a new story each week that will inspire more gratitude in your own life. Our mission is to inspire 100,000 people to discover how to feel gratitude and live a happy life through the amazing life stories of our successful guests and their actionable tips. And now, the host of our podcast, George Benta. Hi, Gratitude Seeker. Welcome to a new episode of the Gratitude Podcast. Today with us, we have a really special guest, and I'm really happy to have him here because in the, um, in the survey that I created, uh, you said you were interested in this topic. And I think um, our guest today is a great person to be talking about this topic i'm really happy that um, that we get to to spend this time together and to talk a little bit about the meaning of life um nathaniel garrett novosel um is actually a researcher a professional researcher and advisor for over 20 years and he's been studying individual and group behavior he researched psychology, evolutionary biology, organizational best practices, leadership decision-making, and so many very interesting topics. He is, of course, the author of The Meaning of Life. And um, I'm really happy to have him here and chat a little bit about The Meaning of Life and, of course, what it has to do with gratitude. So, Nate, welcome to the Gratitude Podcast. Thank you for having me and thank you all for listening. So, um, let us know a little bit more about you that uh, I I didn't get to catch in this uh, short introduction. Yeah, sure. So, most people ask, uh, you know, how this all started, how I could write a book that's so ambitious. Uh, You know, it's the ultimate question, right? Um, so I usually tell people a little bit of the background. So my uh, father, when I was five, disappeared in the middle of the night. Um, and so I found out maybe six months later or something, he reached out that he had moved to California. I, I grew up in Pittsburgh. And um, so we, my, my parents agreed that I would go out there the following summer uh, for three weeks and two days. I'll never forget that amount of time. And um I went out there and it's the first time I had ever left my mother. So I was crying and it was really sad, but nothing would prepare me for the emptiness and just complete 
you know, feeling of worthlessness and hopelessness that occurred when I left my father again for the first time. And I was like, well, you know, I'm not going to see him again. Maybe, you know, it could be ever, it could be a year, whatever it was. And the first one, when it disappeared, you know, you, you don't really, you know, you can kind of, your parents kind of like coax you through it and such. But when you know it's happening, it's, it's a destructive experience. So I had this kind of like, what does it all mean if we're going to suffer type of question? And I'm six. <laughs> so wow. it's a, it's a weird thing to, for a six year old to be pondering. But the interesting thing is I, I joke that I have a, what I jokingly call robot brain. It's kind of like this, this, this part of my brain that just kind of is completely like a, like a Vulcan, right? Like very logical, very insensitive and just said, you know, this is the way it is. Why are you upset? And then when I said, what does it all mean? I said, oh, wow, that's a fascinating question. I wonder, I bet you can answer that. Let's, let's see if you can figure it out. So it just became an obsession of mine where for the next, um, 30 years, honestly, um, I would read every psychology book I could get my hands on. I'd love st studying evolutionary biology, human behavior, uh, behavioral economics. Uh, I, you know, I took psychology in, in, in college and that was turned out to be my, my passion, even though I majored in finance. Um, and uh, then I actually just stumbled upon uh, a job. My first job out of college was to be a researcher and advisor for the world's leading executives. And I happen to get very, very good at doing research and very, very good at doing advisory for leaders. And I would help them. And, and it turned out, as I was doing all this research, I found a set of patterns that uh, not just organizational leaders had to you know, go through for them to be effective. Uh, but when I was doing my research in my spare time as well in psychology, I started noticing patterns across all different philosophies. And um, I finally tried to explain to someone, I said, you know, if I were to explain, I've, you know, I've researched for 20 years at the, at the time, I said, what would be the common set of, you know, things that someone would need to know for me to, if I were to teach someone from scratch, all the stuff I've learned over 20 years, how would I do it? And that's where the book came in. I, I identified a set of concepts that are universal across all philosophies, across all belief systems. They are proven by psychology and science and uh, you can actually show how it all works or at least do the logical uh, train of thought. And so I started writing the book and it just kind of came out, you know, perfectly. Everything just started flowing. And I, I wrote, I rewrote the book four times cause I, you know, I'm a perfectionist, but um, it turned out that there are a set of universal principles that everyone can learn that can make their lives more meaningful. Wow. I love it. And I, I totally resonate with that because it's been one, one of my passions as well to, to find those things that are present in different uh, spiritual traditions and in different societies. And it's actually one of the things that I'm doing on, on the podcast as well. Like I'm, uh, I, I've interviewed people from all walks of life, from um, all religions, uh, all colors, because I'm really curious on, on the perspective that they have on life in general, but as well as uh, gratitude. And for me, um, as I've said before on, on the podcast, um, there are a few things that uh, you can find in everywhere around the, the globe, whether people have talked with each other or not, uh, they have some things in common. And uh, could you share with us a few of the things that you have um, you have found that uh, we as humans have in common? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And that that was the secret of the book for me was that what are principles that are universal where you can hold your own personal belief system about like where the, how, where the world can, came from, why we exist, kind of thing. 
um, that you can hold those beliefs about what exists in a non-physical realm because I didn't want to judge or, or tell people, you know, this is how it is. Um, instead, I said, well, you know, you can, you can, it, where can science and spirituality meet? Um, mm -hmm. And where could you, what could you prove scientifically that you could also say has a spiritual element to it and not have to, you know, pick a side, so to speak. Um, so the eight areas uh, in the book that I identified are universal concepts for, for identifying and finding meaning and purpose in your life are growth, experience, desire, belief, emotions, ethics, support, and choice. Um, now, I, I, it'll take me forever to explain all that, but to, to summarize it as, as quickly <laughs> as I can, those eight things, how do all those eight things fit together? The meaning of life is growth. So you're here on earth to grow. You can scientifically prove that in every religion and philosophy that's ever existed has some form of growth as the center of it, right? Usually it's spiritual in nature or, or it's about, you know, uh, intellectual growth or seeking, you know, insight or new, you know, new, uh, greater purpose or insight. Um, you grow through experience. So experience is the medium through which all life grows. And again, life experience, no one would argue <laughs> against having more life experience, right? That's where knowledge yeah. is gained. That's where people um, really feel like they're living, right, through that experience. Um, the, uh, you identify the areas you want to grow through your desire. So if you are hungry for a sandwich, that's your desire to go eat, and that's part of physical growth. So all your desires are some form of desire for a better outcome or future state than you are now. And you uh, therefore are motivated to go and grow into that future state. Um, belief is uh, what sustains you. So um, uh, if you want something and you uh, experience or, or encounter adversity, then you need belief to get through it. Because if you don't believe, you won't do it. You will stop. So belief is life-sustaining force which is why everyone tells you to have faith because that faith will carry you through the hard times. Um, emotions are life's feedback mechanism. So they provide feedback. Uh, it's, it's actually a pretty cool mathematical formula that that's, that's as accurate as two plus two equals four, but emotions equals desire plus belief plus experience. So you can break down your emotional state into those three things. So for example, jealousy is my favorite one to use because if you're jealous, you want, let's say a person, let's just say it's a jealous person. You want a person, uh, you believe that you can't have them. You believe that person that does have them doesn't deserve them. And your experience is of course seeing them together and those three things together, you feel jealousy. So that could work any with any kind of emotion you have. And even if you have complex multiple uh, you know, emotions at the same time uh, that you can break them down into those. You can have multiple experiences, multiple desires, and they conflict. And so it creates a, a mixed set of emotions. Um, ethics, uh, uh, that's how you live uh, in a good way so that you feel good. There's nothing that could take away your feeling of meaning more than if you do it unethically, right? So if you cheat to win a game, then the game's, uh, your success in the game or your win in the game doesn't really feel as meaningful, right? Because you cheated. Um, you didn't win fairly. Uh, support, you need help to grow more than you would otherwise. And the same works both ways. You want to help other people grow. That will make you feel more meaningful when you have a greater purpose. And to be honest, greater purpose, uh, I mean, to be blunt, greater purpose is just helping more than yourself. That's really all it is. Even if you say, hey, greater purpose is, you know, living, uh, you know, uh, living God's path or, or whatever you would 
you, you might call that. Um, still the end result, like Mother Teresa, she's helping other people. She's not, you know, <laughs> I'm going to live God's purpose, so I'm going to go and be selfish. Like no one has ever said that ever. So it's always about helping more than yourself, helping the community, helping the world. Um, the greater purpose comes from, from support, both people helping you to a greater cause and you helping others. Um, and then finally, and then I'll stop, <laughs> is uh, choice, which is the fact that everything you do in life is a choice. And there are things that are outside your control. Yes, there are, you know, luck factors like genetics and so forth. But uh, if you can focus on what's within your control and make those deliberate choices to grow in the areas that you care about and, uh, you know, believe, choose to believe in what you need to believe to achieve your goals then you will uh, find meaning in those choices. Um, there are so many psychological studies out there that show elderly people who, if all they have to do is have responsibility for a plant, and in, 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 let's just say it's an elderly care center, right? And they're living there. And the, 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 the ones that had to take care of a plant versus the ones that didn't lived longer. <laughs> and it's like, well, why? <laughs> because they had responsibility. They were making deliberate, they had choice, they had agency, they had control over, their, over something in their lives, that plant. They were responsible for whether that uh, plant lived or died. And that's why a lot of people, well, and this is a sad joke, but like, uh, you know, they, they say that having kids makes you less happy, right? Uh, <laughs> that, that single and married uh, people without children are happier. However, what they don't point out is that people with children have instant meaning. Why? Because their meaning in life is to take care of that child. So they feel a great sense of meaning and purpose, even if their happiness, uh, you know, objective happiness level that, you know, a psychologist would score would go down. So those are the eight areas. Let me stop there. I don't want <laughs> to keep going on and on. No, I, I love it. I love it. And um, I love the fact that it's so scientific and uh, you've managed to um, simplify some things that uh, are really hard to to simplify and are can be quite complicated and I think that's uh, that's very valuable and very important for us to um, to have simplicity and to be able to understand these things in a simple way because otherwise it's it's just confusing and when we are confused, we can't do much with, with the information. So yeah. thank you for doing that. Mm -hmm. But I also wanted to ask you, where do you feel or where do you think um, gratitude would, uh, would have a place in these um, eight pillars? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so uh, desire is an interesting thing. You can desire two things. You can desire things you have and you can desire things you don't have. Gratitude is simply desire for what you have. It's, it's really that simple. So uh, let's take this conversation. I'm really grateful that we're having this conversation. Uh, why am I grateful for it? Because I really want to have it and we're having it. And that's it. It's really that simple. So if you can build the desire for what you have, you build, in essence, gratitude. <laughs> Man, how, uh, how, how do you manage to simplify things so... So beautifully, I love that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> look, I am a notorious over-explainer. Uh, and so I thought about this for decades. And so I, um, it's funny, it was, I don't know if it was myself or I was having a conversation with my wife or whatever it was, but I said, the answers have to be one word. <laughs> like the <laughs> concepts, like the titles of my chapters are the names of the things, so like growth and desire and belief and so forth. 
And I forced it because I would have wanted to write cool, long titles with great grand insights, you know, like, you know, desires, life's motivational force or something like that. And um, I said, nope, nope, nope. Just going to titles one word. The subtitle is, is, is like five words where it just says, you know, desires, life's uh, 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 motivational force. And so I forced myself over many, many years over and over again to uh, simplified as much as possible. So when gratitude came up, it was so funny because I actually didn't have gratitude initially built into the um, model because as I was writing all these concepts, desire, belief, and so forth, when I was like, well, where does gratitude fit in? And I was like, well, when you think about it, when you desire something, you can desire something you have or don't have. And then desire for what you have is you feel, feel what? You don't feel desire. You feel gratitude. I was like, oh man, that's a beautiful insight. So I wrote that down and here we are. <laughs> yeah. And it, it's so powerful, um, this concept, the fact that we can choose to desire the things that we have and to, to feel grateful for them. And um, do you believe, by the way, that um, gratitude uh, isn't helpful for growth? Or how do you see uh, this uh, combination, gratitude and growth? Because there are people that have the perception that if, they're grateful for the things that they they already have, like they desire what they they have. They won't desire other things and they won't grow. Mm -hmm. it, it's a great question. Um, I have a, my favorite sentence in that chapter. It's the first sentence. It says, always be content, never be satisfied. And it's just a cute way to remind you that you can always be happy with what you have, but always want more that they're not, you know, what do you call mutually exclusive? They're not separate. You know, it's not like you have, you can have one and not have, and not have, be able to have the other. So uh, what I, what I recommend for folks is that, um, I mean, growth is, uh, I, I define growth as basically you exist in a current state, you desire a future state, or at least there's a future state that you're not at right now that if you grew, you would go there. And growth is the you know trans, transition or transformation from the current state to the future state. And so uh, if, you, if you want the future state, but uh, you know, believe that you can't have it, which is the belief piece, or that um, you want it, but don't feel like you're worthy of it, or pick you know, a belief that would hold you back, you're actually going to be, belief suppresses desire. And so if you don't believe because you, because gratitude, you could argue is also belief, right? Cause you can, you believe that um, the things you have, you like, right. Or you want, or that they're worthwhile or they're valuable to you and so forth. So if you don't have the belief that what you've accomplished so far is good or that what you have in life is wonderful or whatever the case may be, that will suppress your desire for more. It'll actually demotivate you. It will depress you. And so there has to be at some point, you have to believe that what you are is enough and what you're capable of will be enough when you get there. And if you're not grateful for what you have, if you either take it for granted or if you dismiss it or belittle it, then uh, it will uh, lower your motivation. And so it's ironic, right? You're thinking, wouldn't additional gratitude make me complacent, right? Oh, I think I'm, everything's amazing, so I don't want anything else. But it's the opposite's true. 
if you aren't grateful, if you think that everything's stupid, you know, like, oh, what I, what I did in the past is terrible. Any idiot could do that. Or, you know, I'm just sorry, I'm going through some of my own, <laughs> you know, common, common negative thoughts, right? Or like, oh, what I've accumulated so far, it's all garbage. You know, you're like, it's all dumb. Like, this is all silly. Like, the next thing's the, the only thing that matters. And I don't have it. And now I'm miserable. I mean, see how demotivated I just made myself by doing that. So if I switch that, um, if I, that's a combination though, the desire for what you have and the belief that what you have is valuable, right? It's a kind of combination there to get the gratitude. Um, I can say, no, my, uh, you know, I like the life I built. I like the choices I've made. Um, it's got me, gotten me here and it's going to get me to the next place. If I just continue on this path, uh, if you don't have that gratitude, uh, you're just not going to be able to, um, see all the things in your life that can help you that this is going to the support chapter, right? See all the things in your life that can support you as you move forward to that next step. You're always going to be thinking you're not enough or, or can't do enough. And, and there's a difference between you're content, but want more and you'll never be enough. One is coming from the latter one is coming from a sense of lack, like, Oh, I'll, you know, I'll never be enough. Or I'll never have enough. And the former is, well, I love what I have, but I want more because I'm here to live and I want to have the next experience. Um, and that's, that's human nature, right? Um, once you eat a sandwich, uh, it's like, okay, I ate that sandwich, but you know, in a few hours you're going to be hungry again and you're going to go find something else to eat. Right. And you always want that next sandwich right? <laughs> or whatever it is you eat. So it, life is a continuous uh, set of new desires. Um, but you need to appreciate what you have or else you won't necessarily uh, see it there when you need it. And you won't necessarily um, uh, feel motivated enough to, or, or even capable enough to strive for the next thing. <laughs> that makes so much sense. And um I I really love your your perspective. Like I think it's it's so powerful to to think of things in, in this way because um, actually we we get motivated to to want new things and enjoy new things when we we appreciate the things that we that we have because we see that it's possible for us and we can enjoy them and there's there's actually an infinite opportunity. Uh, there are infinite possibilities and opportunities for us to to experience more and to grow more and yeah definitely i i i think it's such a great point that you that you made and it makes so much sense mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's the beauty of what I love about the marrying of science and spirituality. Ironically, I don't speak too much about spirituality in my book because I I wanted, I'll I'll be honest with you, my my book, I was like, I want to write a book that if a spiritual person read it, they would go, well, he didn't really write much about spirituality, but he basically just scientifically proved why I'm spiritual. Uh, and then, but I wanted to get the skeptics, right. And wanted to get the people who didn't believe in things, right. The atheists, the, you know, the cold hard facts type of people. I wanted them to, because those are the people who need these principles the most, because the skeptics are the ones who are most likely to think, well, it doesn't matter whether I'm grateful or not. Uh, it just matters what is right. I only believe in what I see and all that other stuff. Those are people who need these teachings, these ideas. Um, I'm, and I know I was writing for myself, right. The, the over analytical think thinker, as you can tell. Um, (laughs) but I was a pessimist my whole life, uh, up until my twenties. Um, I, and I had that mentality. I just, I, I couldn't get out of it. It was just like, well, if it doesn't matter whether I think good things or bad things, then if I think the bad thing and a good things happens, I'm pleasantly surprised. If I think about the bad thing's going to happen and it does happen, I was right. So I'm happy about that. 
And it's hard to, it's hard to teach someone out of that mentality because it sounds logical, right? Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's like, oh, well, oh, great. Now I'm going to go be a pessimist. If, like I just convinced half your audience. No, I'm kidding. Um, but uh, in all seriousness, though, the, um, I, I, I became an optimist. And the way I became an optimist was I took that same logic and flipped it on its head, right? Where I said, well, if it doesn't matter whether you think good things or bad things, but if you think the good thing, you're happy. And if you think the bad thing, you're not happy, then why shouldn't you think the good thing? If it doesn't matter, why not think the good thing and be happy while you're nothing, you're not doing anything and, and see that logic just boom. Now I switch myself around, right? Same, you know, it sounds logical too, right? So like you can really convince yourself of anything. To be honest, I think maybe that's the one takeaway we have for today is you can <laughs> convince yourself of anything. But in, in all seriousness, um, uh, I wanted to get that audience. Now it's hard because, you know, my cover is nice and fluffy and has clouds and stuff. And, and so people are thinking it's like some sort of spiritual book, but um, you know, people will hopefully know about it enough where they'll, uh, they'll hear about it and go, oh, it's a scientific proof that, you know, th everything that spiritual uh, teachers will tell you about, like having gratitude and belief and faith, um, you know, getting support, helping others, all these things that like, you know, Jesus would say are good things or that anyone, any spiritual master would suggest, they actually do have scientific proof behind them. Uh, and uh, all I did was take the spiritual layer out of it just to prove it scientifically for the skeptics. Um, but um, I let the uh, folks who are spiritual or religious Hey, look, I'm not telling you it's not um, what's true or not true regarding the non-physical world. I, I, I don't have a dog in the fight in the, in the book anyway. Um, and uh, I just said, can we set that aside for now and just talk about what we can prove? And then you will see the spiritual teachings, teachings you've been taught for you know, decades, if, if that's your path, that all of them show up and, and have a scientific basis, which can help you build uh, in the real world as well as in the spiritual world. Uh, your uh, uh, meaning and purpose. I love that, and I especially love the fact the the, the fact that the book is so uh, looks so much like a spiritual book and uh, something that would one would grab uh, uh, when he or she is thinking about okay, I should read a, a spiritual book about the meaning of life, and I love how um, how scientific it actually is and how. Uh, how much reason uh, you're able to bring and I, I think that's that's so important and I think one of the the reasons why we um, we are so confused is because many things are confusing basically so many things uh, that are from um, a certain spiritual faith for instance um, don't resonate with other spiritual faiths or or things of this nature and i i think reason can be really helpful for us to see beyond the, those things because it's actually important for us to to have that perspective that's not limited to to a specific uh, point of view and i think that's 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 very helpful yeah. Well, you know, it took me a long time to come to what you just said. I, I, I can't emphasize that enough. Uh, I wrote a previous, uh, like, outline for a book. I won't even talk about it uh, in detail because it's I've, I'm embarrassed by it, to be honest with you now. But back at the time, I was like, oh, this is great. I'm going to, you know, scientifically prove how the world works and then prove everyone else is wrong. Or so. I don't know what I was thinking at the time. <laughs> I, I'm not, I, that's not literally I'm making fun of myself. But uh, I thought that I could create some master like write up of how the world works. Um, 
And I mean, that's, that's what I ended up doing with this, this meaning of life book. But uh, I, um, you know, I had some sort of um, like, I, I think I can do it, but I'm going to like basically prove everyone else wrong. And that was just the wrong attitude uh, to go into the book. I mean, you know, you're, I, I told myself, I said, you're just going to, the people who agree with you are going to possibly read the book and go, yeah, he's right. And then the people who disagree with you are going to read it and go, he's an idiot, right? Like <laughs> he doesn't know what he's talking about. <laughs> so it was like, that's the wrong way to do it. Plus, um, you know, th th there's a common saying in, in a lot of um, uh, spiritual and, and new age philosophies of like, you know, don't focus on what you don't want, but focus on what you do want, or don't think of things in terms of the negative things, uh, go after the positive, right? Or don't, don't fight the negative, go for the positive. And I was like, that's a great point. Um, what am I for if I'm against, you know, whatever I'm against at the time? Um, and uh, the truth of the matter is that I said, well, I'm for, I want to help people understand the, you know, the scientific basis for what, how people find meaning. And then I also want, and then I eventually came to the conclusion that like, look, I don't want to have a, I don't want to weigh in on, on those things because um, if, I mean, that I always, I joke all the time. It's like science, science is the study of the physical universe. And so if you're talking about the non-physical by definition, you can't prove it scientifically. So why bother? Right? Like, <laughs> you know, the, the, uh, the, that's one thing I have against um, people who are skeptical and say, well, you can't scientifically prove that, you know, the existence of God or whatever. And I'm like, well, yeah, but by definition you can't. Right. If, yeah. <laughs> if science is study of the physical universe, by definition, you can't you can't prove the existence of a non-physical entity. It's impossible by definition, by the definition of science. You cannot do it. So why? So how is that? A, a you know, how how does that prove your point? Uh, and uh, but it was a big epiphany for me was while I was writing the book, I had this kind of like, you know, uh, universal kind of one with everyone kind of moment where um, I was writing the belief chapter or at least editing it. Um, and I had this realization because um, uh, I had my own journey. I was I was raised uh, Catholic, and then um, I guess you could call me an atheist at the in my you know somewhere in the like teens or or early twenties. Um, uh, hence why that book uh, that I first wrote that I won't speak of kind of can't was was brewing. But um, as I was writing this book, um, I realized very quickly, like when I was writing the belief chapter, I, I write, it's a very, I, I talk about this delicate balance of belief. You have to um, balance your belief in what's real and, and current and your belief in what's possible. That mm -hmm. is the only, growth, you know, exists in a current state want to be in a future state, have to get from the current to future state. You by definition have to have faith. You by definition have to believe in things that don't exist today. By definition, you can't because the future state doesn't exist, right? You know, that makes so much how, old, sense, yeah. how, how old am I? I'm 37. So I've never been 39. So I may never be 39. I could die tomorrow, right? You know, that. Yeah. Uh, so, so, but I believe I'm going to live there, right? Why? Because, you know, there are, you, uh, you know, a, 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 you know, a serious skeptic will go, well, Nate, you know, most human beings, the average lifespan is blah, blah, blah. It's like, yeah, but that doesn't mean you're going to, you know, anything can happen. So you believe that you will live that long even though there's no proof and you start to see where I'm going with this, right? That like yeah. people with spiritual beliefs or religious beliefs, that's, they're doing the exact same thing. They're believing things without proof. So everyone does it. Uh, all, all a belief is, is something that you assume to be true, whether or not you're currently observing it at the present time. Right. 
Uh, and yes, there are scientific uh, uh, studies you can do and, and assessments where you can determine that something's more likely than not to be to exist or happen, even if you're not currently observing it in this current point in time. But you, technically, everything you aren't observing in the current point in time is a belief. So like, you know, I believe the sun's going to come up the next day. Technically, I didn't, you know, I don't know that for a fact. I mean, an asteroid can come and knock the Earth out of its orbit and <laughs> when the sun wouldn't come up the next day, right? And, and I don't know that for a fact, but I assume it, right? I believe it. Um, and yes, there's a heavy scientific basis behind that, but I still, at the end of the day, I have faith that that's going to happen, right? So as soon as I was finishing polishing the, the belief chapter, I had a sudden realization that all belief uh, in, we're talking about, let's talk non-physical is really, I mean, why do you believe anything? Well, you believe it because you believe it will uh, make your life better in some way, right? It's a, it'll, yeah. In other words, it'll deliver, deliver a positive outcome for you. So I said all belief, all belief, not, not just belief in non-physical, all beliefs are basically have one underlying belief, the belief in a positive outcome. And as soon as I, as soon as that hit me, my brain just, just set on a fire. And I was just like, oh my God, that's it. All belief is a belief in a, in a better future, a positive outcome. And so why would you ever belittle anyone else's beliefs if it's, they believe what they need to believe or want to believe or whatever to believe to uh, have that better positive impact or better positive outcome. So why would anyone want to take that away from someone? And I, as soon as I said that, I was like, oh my God, any, any thoughts I ever had about like, oh, I want to, you know, I, I want to figure everything out perfectly and scientifically and then disprove everything else. It went away because I was like, that's a waste of time because <laughs> uh, people who believe are actually better off in many ways. Because if you believe, if you have faith and you deliver better positive outcomes than if you didn't uh, have faith, that you are by definition better off and you should have that faith and no one should take it away from you. And anyone who tries to take it away from you is hurting you. And it's wrong. So <laughs> as soon as I came to that realization, I was like, oh, man, that's that, that's nuts, right? I'm just thinking in my head, that's amazing, Brian. So. Well, I think I think what, what just happened or what, what happened with you and, and this perspective is the it's, it's a really beautiful combination of intelligence and wisdom. Mm-hmm. Like, um, as you probably already know, you're, you're a really smart guy and I can definitely see that and I really appreciate that about you. Mm-hmm. But I think um, that was, um, it, there was this moment when uh, wisdom um, completed you and your perspective and uh, I think that's, that's beautiful how, how this happened. Yeah. And, and I, you know, everyone asked me, well, what's your meaning now? Like my purpose was writing a book about purpose. <laughs> it's kind of meta. Right. Um, and I said, well, now that I've, now that I figured it out, I see how it all connects. I always joke. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie, the, uh, a beautiful mind about John Nash. Uh, but I, I, I really admire uh, John Nash and his work and, and, and uh, the, the movie where he like sees all the, you know, the things pop out um, in the, you know, uh, a metaphor for, for how he thought. Um, I always think of that, right? Mm-hmm. Is that I stare at things long enough until the insights pop out at me. And that's what was happening through the entire creation of the book. And people are like, well, what are you trying to do now? What's your purpose now? And I basically said, look, if I could save someone 20 years of time, <laughs> so I had to study for, for 20 years to come up with just the stuff. And then it took me another, of course, seven years to write it. Um, so that's where I get up to the, to about 30 years. Um, the, um, 
like if I could just save someone else all that time, people who aren't as patient as I am with regards to pursuing that with the obsession uh, that they just kind of want to know the answers. Like I want to be able to just help them get there faster. So that's why I wrote the book. And that's what I want to, why I want to get the word out um, is because I just want people to know, look, if you're looking for a scientific approach to feeling more meaning in your life, that doesn't negate anything you believe or tell you what to believe. That was my, in fact, that's, I think the, the tagline in my book is how to think about life, not how to live it. And I was adamant. It was, the, it was my number one principle. It's kind of like a, I don't know if you're a Star Trek fan, but the prime directive where it's like, uh, I'm going to butcher it, but basically the prime directive says that you can't, um, uh, you know, get involved and try to like influence other civilizations. Uh, you need to let them grow in their natural course and you're just supposed to observe them. Now, of course, mm-hmm. in Star Trek and, and the next generation, they violated that prime directive all the time, but, <laughs> but that's neither here nor there. Um, I, that was my prime directive. I had a prime directive. I have to write this book. I can't take positions on theology or anything. I can't, uh, my, 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 my philosophy, my, my recommendations, the, the, the findings I had cannot assume that you are either a believer or not a believer. I cannot assume whether a God exists or not. It cannot, ex- it cannot assume anything that, that we can't prove and to let people have that and then uh, let them see how the science supports their belief for those of faith and for people not of faith to see the science behind meaning and why uh, they still need to adopt things like gratitude, like belief or faith, uh, like uh, support, um, all these things that they need to still adopt if they want to feel meaning and purpose. Because the, the, only, the only people I will rag on, uh, and I, I'm, I'm doing this jokingly, I'm not being harsh or anything, but the only people I will uh, uh, rag on are the um, nihilists uh, because they'll say, well, life has no meaning. I'm like, well, you know, life objectively has the meaning to, uh, uh, to grow. All life has yeah. the desire and, and meaning to grow. That's the purpose of all life on earth. So there is an objective meaning. So nihilism by definition is wrong. Uh, but, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, it, but if you go with the whole, like meaning is what you put into it, which is true. There's an extent to which it's true. And then you're a nihilist. Well, nihilism is just a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? It's just, well, I don't believe my, my life has a point. So therefore it doesn't. And that's mm-hmm. actually also true. It's kind of the, you know, the old uh, Henry Ford, whether you believe you can or can't, you're right, right? And so if exactly. you believe life has a purpose, you're right. If you believe it doesn't have a purpose, you're right. And so nihilism is really just a self-fulfilling prophecy that um, life has no meaning because you don't see any purpose in it or to see any point in it yourself. But if you gave it purpose, it would have it. And therefore you would, by definition, wouldn't be a nihilist anymore. So it, it, that's the only one I'll pick on because... Um, when you, when you realize that the point of all life is growth, you know that by definition, you can scientifically prove that that's, or disprove that that's a thing. Um, but you also know why people believe it because you can, you know, through self-fulfilling prophecy, prove that someone who believes that something doesn't have a point, therefore it doesn't have a point because you don't give it one because meaning has to be something that you assign something. In fact, I have a great analogy. I say when, when it comes to purpose, uh, there are two ways to look at purpose. There are inanimate objects of which you would assign a purpose to. And then there are people or humans or life or organisms with agency where they have control over themselves, in which case they assign themselves a purpose. And I have this long explanation of that, but the short version is, let's say the person who vented, um, I'm trying to think of one that people invented something that was completely different. I think it was rubber. I think rubber is a good example where he's trying to invent something else and rubber was an accident, right? So so it doesn't matter whether uh, rubber, um, whatever, what the scientists' uh, purpose for rubber was. Someone else found rubber and said, well, I can use it, you know, put tire on a car and drive, right? Um, so they found a purpose for rubber. So it was the person who assigned a purpose to the rubber 
And so that tool or, or material or whatever you want to call those things, the hammer or whatever, those things have purposes that people assign to them because they give it the purpose, right? Mm-hmm. But humans, they have personal agency. So they give themselves the purpose. Someone else, I mean, someone else can give you a purpose if you let them, right? So if someone says, hey, go, you know, go pick that up off the shelf for me, and then you go do it, well, your purpose for those few seconds was to pick that thing off the shelf and that other person asked you to do it. So technically they gave you that purpose, but mm-hmm. you, you agreed to it. You could have just said, no, <laughs> you know, it's not my purpose to grab that thing off the shelf and therefore it's not your purpose. Um, so uh, nihilists, uh, they, they are, uh, they're just really validating their own opinion that they don't find a point in it. So therefore it has no point and it's, it's wrong scientifically, but it's right. And from some weird uh, relativism, right? From their perspective, since they didn't give it a point, it doesn't have one. And so you can easily just give yourself a point and then therefore by definition, you're no longer an eyeless. So, so those are the only people I'll, I'll pick on a little bit because um, it, when you explain it like that, that you can either prove that it's scientifically wrong or that, um, that it's, uh, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah, that, that makes perfect sense. That makes perfect sense. And um, by the way, we are nearing the end of our time together and um, I'm sure that our audience is curious where they can find the book. Sure. So um, my website is yourmeaninginlife.com. The book's on Amazon and uh, Barnes and Noble and all these other places. Uh, There's hard copy, paperback, uh, Kindle version or or ebook version. Um, uh, uh, And then um, my Facebook handle and most of my handles are at life, the book. Um, although I think Instagram is at the meaning of life book or something like that. Um, so that's where they can find the book and that's where they can find it more information. And I do have a blog. So, um, you know, if you're, uh, you know, during these hard times, uh, you know, um, if you don't have, can't afford the book, then, uh, there's a lot of stuff for free on the, on the site. Awesome. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed our time together and, um, I really enjoyed our conversation. Thank you so much.